I went to University of Buffalo. I'm all things Buffalo. Buffalo Bills are like six and two. And, uh, you know, it's like a good time in the city of Buffalo. Like we, you know, there's a famous, there's a shirt people in Buffalo wear. I don't wear it, all right, so don't hate me. But there's a shirt people in Buffalo wear. And it says, um, we're a drinking town with a football problem. And that's like the best way to describe uh, Buffalo. They're crazy. But anyways, bad joke. I'll get back. Uh, you guys are college students, uh, Bible school students. Anyways, uh, I, got a, I got a word I'm going to share with you. Um, you know, just to be honest, just to be honest, uh, I, I'm so consumed with my church right now and my family, it's hard to come up with more messages. And I usually don't like to preach other places in this time of my life because I'm just so focused on raising my family and I'm so focused on raising God's church that I, I, don't, I don't really have time to come up with extra messages. So if I do preach somewhere, I usually just kind of find a message I've spoken that I find is appropriate for the place I'm going, and I share that message. And I was planning on doing the same thing, and God had this word in my heart. And I'm not like, this doesn't happen, but it was like burning in my heart. And I've been going through a really, it's a grind, man. People ask what, what pastoring like, it, it's a grind. Um, it's every day I'm going to work. I'm coming home emotionally exhausted and giving everything I can to my family. And by 9 o'clock, like, I am tired, you know. And God put this word on my heart, and he's like, this is what I want you to preach. I'm like, hey, are you here? And I was thinking about it, and I don't know what you're going to do after EBI. I don't know uh, what your plans are. I don't know how difficult it is right now going to school. But I'm willing to bet there's a lot of people here who th there's a grind. It's hard work every day. And, and, and I, I, I feel like I just wanted to share a word because some days, you know what happens? There's a lot of opposition that I face. There's a lot of difficult things that go on in my life. In fact, it's, I'm very confident. I'm very confident in what God has called me to do. And there's still days where I go home and I question, what am I doing? And the thing is this, we're always going to face opposition. I just thought of this during worship, is that opposition doesn't mean optional. And just because things get hard, it doesn't mean God's calling on my life was optional for me. And if something gets hard, it doesn't mean it's optional anymore. And, and sometimes the facts could be all against you. Your feelings could fight your faith. Right? And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Facts, feelings, and faith. And I want to read a story in Acts chapter 12. How it's just an amazing story that I, God has just been really encouraging me through it. And so at the very least, I'm going to encourage myself this morning. And hopefully a couple of you. Acts chapter 12 verse 1 says this. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He began to persecute some believers in the church. The church and Christians were being persecuted. And guess what? That is normal. It was predicted in the Gospels. It was echoed throughout Acts. Paul wrote about it in his letters. It appears part of the reason why they wrote the book of Hebrews was because of the persecution. It's normal. And when you go into ministry, when you go to do God's calling, whether you're at a, a business, uh, you start your own thing, you're planting a church, whatever it is you're called to do, you're going to face opposition. There's going to be some difficulties. You may not be threatened with death. You may not be threatened with being imprisoned, but things aren't always going to go your way. It may be difficult, right? You may start a new initiative and it may fail. 
You may hire a new person, your first hire, and it may not work out. You may do a change where I'm going to change some lights, I'm going to paint, I'm going to change the music. And instead of experience growth, people leave. And whatever happens, we're going to face opposition. But you know what? Opposition is nothing new to Christianity. Opposition is nothing new to the church. In fact, I would say this, that opposition is how the church grew best. When there was great opposition, that's how the church always grew best. And so we shouldn't be afraid when we get opposed by something. And verse 2 says this, he had the apostle James, Herod, had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with the sword. Now that Herod mentioned, he was really popular with the Jews. He liked to be popular with the Jews because he was partly Jewish, okay? And so he tried to do things to win the favor of the Jews. And one of the ways he did was he began to persecute Christians. He began to, you know, put them in prison and do things against them. And the Jews really liked it. And the church faced great opposition. And they faced persecution. In the middle of all that, in the middle of all that, they killed James. Now think about who J- James was a, wasn't a nobody. This was James, the brother of John. This was James, one of the sons of thunder. This was James, one of the original 12 disciples. This was James, one of the apostles. This was James. He was one of three people who was on the mountain with Jesus, who saw the transfiguration. James. This was James, one of the leaders of the church. James. He was important. He wasn't a nobody. And what's so crazy is Herod's effort to please the Jews, he killed James. He killed James. Verse 3 and 4 says, oh, and I'm bet, this is what I bet too, before I forget. I bet when they arrested James, I, I guarantee you, doesn't say this, but I guarantee you they prayed for James to be released. I guarantee you they prayed for James to be freed. And I wonder if when James was killed, some of the believers thought God was going to raise him from the dead. And I guarantee you they prayed for James to raise from the dead. Yet nothing happened. They lost their leader, their friend, James. Verse 3 says this, when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. Now this took place during the Passover celebration, and verse 4 says this, then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads, of four, four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. Now, now, that's crazy. Killing a Christian pleased the Jews so much that Herod's like, oh, I'm just going to arrest someone else. I'm going to arrest Peter. And Herod, after arresting him, must have thought, well, if killing James was good, killing Peter must be great. And we know, I could tell you with some degree of certainty, that Herod wanted to kill Peter. You know why? For at least two reasons. First, Peter was known as the leader of the church. If James was great to kill as an important person, Peter was the most important person. He was the preacher. He was the miracle worker. He was the leader of the church. And if James was good to kill, to Herod, Peter must be great to kill. The other reason I could be pretty sure that they wanted to kill Peter was that 
that Peter was a full-blooded Jew, and he got caught all the time hanging out with Gentiles. To Jewish people, the very people Herod was trying to please, to Jewish people, you didn't hang out with Gentiles. You didn't socialize with Gentiles. But Peter, he was hanging out with them. He was eating them. He was preaching the gospel to them. And it's very, very, to a high degree of certainty that Herod wanted to kill Peter. My point is this. Everyone knew that when Peter was going to be faced with the trial, he was going to be killed. And guess what? The last time this happened to James, he died. And God didn't even intervene. So what did the church do in verse 5? They did this. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. While Peter was in prison, the church prayed for him. And I wonder how hard it was to pray for Peter when they just lost James. And what blows my mind is, is I've heard people preach on this, and they preach about the power of prayer. Because if you keep reading, Peter is miraculously released and he's set free. But how come nobody talks about the prayers they prayed for James, who they lost? The, the fact of the matter is that the facts point to that they were going to kill Peter. And I'm sure all the Christians, all the church, their feelings were probably like, oh, here we go again. But my point is this. They still prayed for Peter even after losing James. In fact, Stephen Furtick says this, facts and feelings are poor substitutes for faith. Facts and feelings are poor substitutes for faith. And when you go into ministry, when you go out there, when you're in the middle of it right now, you can't just rely on all the facts. You can't just rely on all the feelings. We have to live by faith. If we live to the level of our feelings, you settle too low because you settle to what you can see. You settle to what is going good. But we have to live not by sight but by faith. Because honestly, sometimes the proof of progress in my ministry isn't how many opportunities I get. It's how much opposition I'm facing. Sometimes the proof of progress isn't how good everything's going. It's how much opposition is facing me. There's an old-time preacher, and the preacher said, if you haven't had a head-on collision with the devil, you might be headed in the same direction. And there's some truth to that right now. Because some of us have to realize when we do what God's called us to do, the very nature of that will cause opposition to fight against you. But just because there's some opposition doesn't mean God's calling on your life is optional. You know why? Because faith grows best in opposition. Faith grows best in opposition. Man, it's easy to have faith when everything's going good. It's easy to have faith when people are asking you to speak, when people like your sermons, when the money's coming in, when people are getting saved, when everything's grown, when everyone's agreeing with you. Man, that's easy. That doesn't cause your faith to grow. But faith grows best in opposition. Muscles only grow by lifting weights. Your cardio doesn't get better by sitting on the couch. In opposition grows faith. Just as lifting weights grows muscles, just as running grows your cardio, just as reading grows our knowledge, just as practicing 
grows your skills. Opposition grows your faith. I mean, how do you think you get good at handling conflict? You start to handle conflict. How do you think you get good at performing well under pressure? You find situations where there's a lot of pressure and you begin to perform in those situations. How do you get giant conquering faith? You begin to pick some battles with some giants who you can't defeat by yourself because that's the only way you develop these things because opposition grows best. Faith grows best in opposition. Sometimes we seem to forget it when we're doing what God's called us to do. We get some opposition, and we start praying for God. We forget about it. We run away. We think, oh, we got opposition. What am I doing wrong? Has God God forgotten about me? What if God's allowing you to grow? What if God is developing something in you? Because sometimes you're going to pray for an opportunity and God's going to deliver you opposition. And the crazy thing is, if every time we get opposition, we oh, it's all the devil, just run away, get away. You'll never get developed the way God wants you to develop. The Apostle Paul, he needed to learn grace. And so what happened? The devil delivered him a thorn in the side. David, you know he needed a sword. You know who gave David the sword he used was the giant Goliath. He had no sword. And the only sword there was the Goliath's sword. Sometimes our opposition is actually going to deliver us what we need. Do you know how hard it is to pray for Peter when they just lost James? Two years ago, I took over the church I'm pastoring. And right around that time, a good friend of mine moved back to Buffalo from where he was living. And he's like, oh, I want to come to your church. I'm excited to go to your church. And this is great because, you know, he's, he had a good job. He was a giver. He was going to be on my side. He was young. I needed this. I'm like, oh, this is great. I need this kid here. And he's loving it. He's loving my messages. And one day he's like, hey, can I come in and talk to you? I, I just need some prayer. I'm like, yeah, come in, come in. And so he came in for prayer. He wanted some prayer for healing. My dad was there because he kind of prays for healing. And it was weird because, he, you know, he didn't get healed. And he stopped coming to church. And he told me, I said, I, I just can't go to your church, man. If you could believe in healing and I don't get healed, I can't come. And all of a sudden, the very person I thought I needed isn't coming because I'm doing what God has called me to do. Do you know how hard it is to pray for Peter when they just lost James? You know how hard it is to get up and preach about the goodness of God? And, and I look at the family who daughter just committed suicide. Do you, do you know how, it is, how hard it is to get up there and say God's got a plan? And I, and I look at the family who only has one kid because their whole life was filled with miscarriages. And now that kid is a teenager and he wants to take hormones because he thinks he's a girl. How, it's hard. Do you know how hard it is to preach on healing when I'm not healed? And sometimes it's difficult to pray for Peter when we just lost James. And there will be times that God has called you to preach and the facts will oppose it. 
Your feelings will betray you, but we don't live by facts and feelings. We live by faith. When I get up there and preach, I don't have to preach what's happening around me. I preach by faith. When we sing songs, I don't, it's not hypocritical to sing a song that you don't feel right now because I'm not singing out of my feelings. I'm not singing out of my, my facts. I'm singing out of faith. That's called maturity. That's called growth. When you learn to preach, when you learn to do God's word out of your faith, it's not by sight, but it's by faith. And when you get in the thick of it, and you start doing what God's called you to do, maybe even right now, it's not going to be hunky-dory, beautiful, fun all the time. People start complaining. People start attacking you. They start challenging your motives. They start leaving. They start talking behind your back to tell you you don't hear from God. And this is my advice. Just don't stop. Just keep doing what God's called you to do because it's not hypocritical to keep going if everything in you says to stop because that's how faith grows best. Opposition doesn't mean it's over. Opposition just means there's a battle that has to happen. When you face opposition, that's your opportunity to fight the battle that God set you up for. And God doesn't lose. God is with you. Man, there's times where I just make hard decision after hard decision, and it gets difficult. But it doesn't mean I'm called to stop. Because the last time I read my Bible, the, the early church grew the fastest when they had the most persecution. The early church grew the best in opposition. And I know my God is with me, regardless of what the facts or my feelings try to tell me. Let me just end with verse 6. It says this, the night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep. The night before, he was asleep. Now, this amazes me because, you know, the night before, he was in prison. He wasn't, he wasn't even at a Hilton. You know what I'm saying? Like, he didn't have clean sheets, comfy pillows, a down comforter, you know, a wake-up call. Like, he was in prison. He was chained to guards, right? He wasn't comfortable. And the worst part about it was he was probably going to die in the morning. It was the night before he was probably going to die. Now, I'm, I'm a great sleeper. Okay, I'm, I'm a, generally I'm a good sleeper. We just had a baby, and some nights my wife gets up to feed the baby, and I don't even know she got up, you know. We got one of those mattresses that are like the memory foam, so I can't even, she's tiny too, so she doesn't make any noise. And, uh, and I don't even know, I'm a good sleeper. But there are times I don't sleep good. You know, like um, she had a planned C-section with this last baby because our kids have been really big, I don't know why. Um, and... <laughs> They're like, ah, oh, we don't know if we want to go natural. They're like, oh, whatever, you know. So we had this plan C-section. So we were all excited, you know. So the night before, like, we didn't sleep, you know. We were all excited. We were nervous. We we're, what's going to happen with our other kid? Is everything going to be okay? Da, 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 da. You know, we, we couldn't sleep, you know. The night before you get married, it's, you know, you don't always sleep very good. And they tell you to get a good night's sleep so you don't pass out. It's like, well, it's easier said than done, you know. And sometimes we don't sleep. And those are just exciting things. But Peter, he wasn't in his own bed. He was in prison. It was scary. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I'd be able to sleep the night before I'm going to die. 
I don't know if I was going to be able to sleep, you know, in prison. But Peter, I wonder, I wonder if something started happening to Peter. I wonder if Peter remembered this one time he was in a boat and there was a storm and everybody in the storm said we were going to die and they went to find Jesus and what was Jesus doing? Jesus was sleeping in the storm. I wonder if Peter started, something started to happen. I'm just curious if all the stuff the devil was throwing at Peter, like, uh, you know, persecuting the church, like killing his buddy James, like throwing people in prison, I wonder if it had the opposite effect. I wonder if the devil thought, if I do all this, Peter will stop. And what happened was he did all this and Peter's faith grew stronger. I wonder if something happened to Peter that in the opposition, his faith grew so strong that he could sleep in prison. I wonder if everything the devil threw at him only helped Peter grow stronger. What if all the Christians being killed, all of them thrown into prison, the persecution, the attacks, didn't scare Peter to stop, but helped him to grow stronger? It's going to be the same for you. Opposition grows faith. And when you step out wherever you're going to go, whatever you do, God has called you to do, I hope it's not easy because you won't ever have a chance to grow. You won't ever have a chance to see God move in situations where only God could do it. Opposition grows faith. Ten years ago, in the middle of the night, I got a phone call. And it was a family friend of ours. And he said, get your dad. I said, get, what do you want? why do you want me to get my dad? He thought he was calling my dad's cell phone. He called my phone on accident. And he said, our daughter, our 24-year-old daughter, just died in a plane crash. And it was like a couple miles from our house, a mile from her house. So I got my dad. She was my friend. We were the same age. Ten years ago, I was 24. We went to high school. I was the football player. She was the cheerleader, you know. And she died in this plane crash. And so we talked to him. It was crazy in the middle of the night. After everything's done, I, I couldn't fall back asleep. I mean, I was like so freaked out. My friend, I'm calling, I'm like, this ain't true. I'm calling her cell phone. Every time I hear a plane going overhead, I was just so scared. And my dad goes to me, I go, Dad, Dad, I, I can't sleep. He goes, what do you mean you can't sleep? I go, I'm too scared. I just keep thinking of Ellie. Like, I, I, can't, I, I can't do this. I can't go to sleep. And he looks at me and goes, son, you got to get some sleep because we have a busy day tomorrow. There's work for us to do. And that's what God's telling you. You need to learn to get peace in the storm. You need to learn to sleep in the storm because you got work to do. You got a plan on your life. God's not through with you yet. God's got something going on with you, something important you got to accomplish. And you can't let opposition stop you. You need to learn to let opposition let you grow. And we need to learn to have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Because my understanding is all hell is breaking loose. We're going to be in trouble. It ain't going to work out. We might even die. I might lose my job. But I'm thankful for the God who has peace that surpasses, that overcomes, that you don't need to understand it. We could just have peace in the storm. What's amazing is God freed Peter one time already from prison. And if God did it before, we know God can do it again. And we need to start to declare that I could see God moving by faith. I can see God moving even when the facts are against me, even when my feelings are discouraged, that I could see God moving by faith.
Let's just stand and begin to declare this song. That God, I see you move. You can make a way where there is no way that no matter what opposes me, God, you are for me, not against me. And opposition is how my faith grows best. What the enemy meant for evil, God's turning it for good. That nothing can stop you. It can strengthen you. It'll help you. Let's just sing and declare this song over our lives.